0: Kids, you can be dismissed and uh, head on to class. I want to uh, take just a second. You can go on right there. Follow all those, all those other kids. See you later, buddy. Um, if you have your Bible, we're going to be in a, several different places, but we're going to start in Philippians chapter one. Uh, I want, to, uh, I want to pray for our kids. Um, we're going to talk about the gospel, and so are they, and it's important for us to engage our God with prayer for our children. Let's do that. God, I thank you for children, thank you for workers, and I thank you for the gospel. God, I pray for the teachers that will go back there, that they would proclaim the gospel to little hearts, and you would begin to weave and imprint your gospel and your love and your peace and your grace and truth and mercy into those little little minds and little hearts, Father. And you, I pray that um, what you're planting in there and them in these days would grow to bountiful fruit, Father, for your kingdom, for your grace, for your glory, for their mission for their own hearts, for their families. We thank you and we trust you. We give our children to you in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, thank you. I, I think it's important for us to remember and reflect as we, our kids get sent off to go to class to remember those, them in, in prayer. Uh, so I, this, this morning, I, I've kind of titled the message Gospel Reflection at the end of a year, I think we tend to, to um, consider... I don't know if you're like me. It still kind of feels like Christmas and not like New Year's yet, right? Maybe? There's a Christmas tree. Might be part of it. Um, but I think as this week kind of progresses and as, you know, the, maybe the, the weekend turns and it becomes Monday and another work week, we begin to kind of think that New Year's is on its way. Um, and so I, what I hope, what I've prayed this week is that this message would um, begin to help our minds move towards that. And I think as we go through next week, we'll begin to get reflective of what 2014 was and maybe what 2015 might become and, or might be. And so uh, what I want to do with you guys is, is kind of search the scriptures a little bit to think about how to, how to look back on life and how to look back on 2014 or maybe even beyond that. And then that transition helps us look forward to, to what's, what's coming ahead. Um, so uh, I just want to kind of think through those things. So Philippians chapter 1, starting in, in verse 3, Paul is very reflective. And a lot of Paul's letters, Philippians and Ephesians in particular, and all the letters that he wrote to particular churches, uh, he starts out in a very similar way kind of reflective of his time with them, And the Philippians is, is uh, the letter to the Philippians is, is very specific in that. So let's read the those first uh, verses three through six together. Uh, it says, I thank God in all my remembrance of you. So automatically he's, he's starting off this letter reflective, and and he wants to communicate to these people that he's very close to that he's he thinks of them consistently, and he thanks God for them consistently and like this is a greeting, and, and a lot of times in greetings in books we pass over, and we we, we push aside, and we, we don 't really spend much time thinking about them, but I want us to understand that that Paul was an apostle, and what I, when I mean when I say apostle, I mean he was a guy that God sent to a very specific time and place to be a leader for multiple churches that 's the the idea of, of what it means to be an apostle or Paul's apostleship. Okay. And so he was uh, uh, as he's here thinking through this, this is these are the, the church at Philippi. He's he's pushing them towards this. So verse four always every prayer of mine for you, always making my prayer with joy, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. I'm going to bring two notions there. First is partnership in the gospel, that Paul thinks of these people as partners in the gospel. And I think that we, when I say we, I mean the American church um, and our competitive natures or just... Uh, who we've become is kind of at odds with this idea of, of being partners with the gospel. And coming up in, on, in January, January the 8th of Thursday night, we're going to gather together with several churches to, to do what we're calling a solemn assembly, to pray together. And I've been praying that God will begin to connect our hearts with other churches besides ourselves. Um, we connect a little bit with the summit uh, who planted us. We connect a little bit with uh, Christ Church, which is Judd as their pastor. But those are all, at, at best, kind of fringe partnerships. And I think if, if we're going to be really the biblical church, we're going to be an expression here in Florissant in North County. But we're going to connect and have partnerships across the region. And not just across the region, but across the, the world. And, and it's important for us to see that. And, and I, I want us to, to understand that we're partners together in the gospel, And we'll talk a little bit kind of in the middle towards the end of the message about what it means to be partners in the gospel. Um, But I think it's it's vital for us to come to grips with this, especially as as we consider what 2014 was and what 2015 might become. And that's where kind of verse 6 comes into play. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. There's a lot of time that's in there. I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. The, the word completion has a connotation of, of time that's in it. And we're going to talk about eternity and time and, and, those, and how God is not bound by, by time. He's free from time. We'll talk about that as we go. But, but I want us to, to begin to think about what God has done in you in 2014 And what God is is beginning to shape in you for 2015, and just begin to think about time, and that I I want us to—we've heard that verse before. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. That that notion is throughout Scripture, but I, I want us to connect with the fact that God is is orchestrating things to create in us a a gospel centered framework. From which we view the world. He's, he's using time as a tool to create that in us. Um, Judd, why don't you come up here for a second? I want to. We've talked about partnerships. We've talked about time. We've talked about what 2014 meant. And uh, grab that mic there, if you would, man. Um, and this is Judd Brooks. He is the the pastor of Christ Church, and you guys have heard me talk quite a bit about Christ Church. And yeah, have a seat or send your Bible there. Um, All right, very good. And so uh, what I wanted to do is thinking about partnerships. I I wanted us, I wanted to put Judd in front of us this morning. I'm seriously feedback, Jeff. Am I in the wrong spot? Do I need to stand over here? Who knows? Uh, So apologize for that. Get past it um, if it's bothering you. Uh, But what I wanted to do, this is, I talked about partnerships and I talked about us and and Judd is going to, talk more in 2015 we're going to have him out and, and preach a sermon about what God is doing at Christchurch but I wanted to have just a few minutes to have him in front of us to talk about tell us uh maybe a couple of stories about what God has done at Christchurch you guys are just into your like second year right yeah midway year and a half or something like that right yep so yeah. tell us a, a story or two about what God is is doing has done okay a in story. the lives of your church
1: he didn't prep me with his questions at all, actually. So you want a couple of stories? Sure. Okay. Um, first of all, can I just acknowledge these two dudes in the back running the sound and stuff? That's so cool. Yep. And uh, we actually need to do more of that at our church. So what do you guys, like 10? I mean, that's 12, 12? 11. Okay. Sorry. Sorry.
0: They're both We're 11, right? I know one on, of them is 11. We're 12. 12. 11, 12. All right, cool.
1: You guys are awesome.
0: <laughs> they are awesome. Yeah.
1: Um... Let me just say that, so when I first met Rick, uh, two years ago about, Something like right that. around the time that we started meeting out of a house in Richmond Heights, um, Scott, our worship leader, he introduced me to Rick and we had lunch at Brig Company and I found myself, just. this is kind of on the topic of gospel partnership, I found myself uh, really skeptical, I'm, I'm a skeptic, I'll confess that with most things. And uh, at the end of the lunch, Rick actually said, he said, I want to mentor you guys. And I found myself just thinking, what does he want from us? What is it? Like, what's he want? What's he need? And he's just proven over the course of the last two years that he doesn't want a thing. He just loves Jesus and wants to see people changed by the gospel. And so that's kind of the foundation for our relationship with North Church. And it's continued to strengthen over the course of the last two years. And so uh, we're super, super thankful for you guys, Uh, super thankful for Jeff. Jeff's come out to lead worship for us numerous times, Um, and you guys are such a great church, and we're so thankful the Lord has kind of partnered us with you. Um, I kind of like to say there are three tiers of partnerships. There's like the church, like right here, this is like Christ Church is kind of our core partnership, where everybody who belongs to the church invests with their time and talent and treasure and all those things. And then you have, like, Big C partnership, like, universal church partnership. So we have people from across the country that are giving financially to Christ Church. Um, they're probably never going to come to the church itself, um, but, but they give, and they're glad to give because they know what we're doing and they trust That what we're doing is in line with what they want to see God do in these communities. And then the last partnership is like small C church, like churches, like local churches. And for Christ Church, we have kind of four of those churches. We have North Church, really two kind of functionally like right now. We have two, we have North Church and then West Hills in town and country. And then we have Trailhead Church in Edwardsville and Christ City Church in Memphis as well that support us. But the two churches locally that really support us and that we partner with and like Rick said as well, that we want to continue to partner with and partner with more in the future would be North Church and West Hills. And um, so what's what's unique about that relationship and what's been unique over the course of the last two years for us has been with the Little C partnerships, local churches, you get coaching, uh, a phenomenal mentor in Rick. Uh, You get um, this kind of stuff. We get to come and visit you and you get to come visit us. Um, you do get money as well, which is a huge bonus. Um, you get relationships. You get friendships uh, because you're close. You're in the same communities, and so it's been huge for us. So back to your question, uh, stories. Um, we, we've seen, obviously, like what the, the, the wins, if you will, that sustain us uh, week in and week out would be uh, just the the heart Transformations uh, of our people that are just changing the way that they view um, community, the way they view God, uh, the way that they view their spouse, their kids. And so those obviously are what sustain us. And so it's hard to kind of go into the details of all of those stories uh, without taking 10 hours and also compromising a lot of names that I probably should not compromise. <laughs> uh, however, uh, some of the stories that... Um, Really, as of late 2014, some of the things that happened at Christ Church that were just really important for us to go through would be um, we did our first membership class, uh, which was pretty cool for us. Uh, We had a a bunch of people. We've probably, I don't know, doubled size or so since we started. Uh, Our first year, like I said, was in a house, and then uh, this past year we've been in a building space in, in Brentwood. And so a lot of the new faces... Uh, wanted to commit to the church. And so a lot of them ended up uh, coming to the membership class, which was uh, really encouraging for us that they uh, were taking that step to commitment. And um, so that was a big win. Uh, also, um, we did our second annual uh, kids art and music camp. We talk about how we want to be a neighborhood church. We want to be a church that is kind of getting back to – old school, if you will, fundamental, kind of like you guys in a lot of ways. It's just Let's just do church. Let's not do fancy. And um, so one of the things that we decided to do was the church we share space with, kind of like you guys here, they, they're older. They're in their 80s. Um, the, the large majority of them are in their 70s, 80s, and 90s, um, almost all of them, I think. And there are about 30 people left. They're just tired, and they're tired of doing VBS. They've been doing VBS for a long time. This church has been around since 1922, and uh, they've been doing VBS for, like, 60 years. Like, these people have been leading VBS. And so two years ago, they approached us and said, do you guys want to take VBS? You're young, you have energy, all those things. We said, well, sure, but we may not call it VBS. We may call it something different. And so we actually hosted an art and music camp for kids for the community. And... Um, It was a big success for us, and uh, we had, I think, about 30 kids come out in the first year. Uh, A bunch of those were our kids, uh, and then a bunch of them were from the community as well. And uh, then so we did it again this past summer, and it's always in June. And um, I think we had about 40 or so kids throughout the week come uh, to uh, our our music camp, and they got to hear the gospel, and they got to hear us talk about God, and how he's the creator behind all things. And so um, the last night, we had a big dinner where all the parents could come and uh, we could rub shoulders with them and get to know them and their stories more. And so, um, we've had, um, some wins there. It's been a lot of fun.
0: Cool. Yeah. So tell us, um, what, what can we as a church do to pray or even partner Yeah, yeah with you guys moving forward?
1: I would say praying right now is really, really, really important because we're going to be making some, I don't, I don't want to say substantial changes, but we're going to be transitioning some things as far as our leadership goes. We're going to be entering into an eldership process. It's going to take about six to eight months. Uh, so you can be praying for that process. Um, the, the leadership of the church is, is vital. Uh, it's, it's, it's uh, I don't want to say the most important thing, but <clears throat> it's, it's up there. Um, obviously, the faithful proclamation of the gospel is the most important thing, but um, the, the men who are, who are doing that and the people that are put in place to lead the church, um, it, it's, it, you, know, you can't overstate how important that is. And so if you could pray for those men, pray for uh, the process itself, that we talk about the right things, that we ask the right questions, that we um, dig into the areas uh, of their lives and our lives that we need to uh, to make sure that they're on track. Um, that'd, that'd be a really big piece to pray for in 2015. Um, our relationship with the BCC, it's the church we share space with, is continuing to grow, and um, our hope is that that's going to be our space in the next three to five years. And so, um, whether or not that happens, who knows? uh, Only God, except for uh, the fact that up until this point, uh, it's, it's kind of going in that direction to where everything is kind of lining up, and the Lord's been giving us incredible favor with this church. And so, Pray for that continued relationship, uh, that it continues to to grow and strengthen and deepen. Um, Yeah, I'd say in 2015, those are the two things that are really on my radar. Uh, Lastly, as well, actually, three things. So, church, (laughs) leader, uh, so the relationship with the BCC, eldership, and then lastly, um, I really want 2015 to be a year where we as leadership are empowering and equipping our people. Uh, and identifying their gifts and helping them realize their gifts and then use their gifts for the good of the kingdom. And so um, pray for that. Uh, we don't have the answers right now as to how we're going to do that. Uh, that's really tricky. Um, oh. But but we really want to pull out of the woodwork. Um, is that a phrase? Sure. I think it is. Maybe. Yeah. If you just said uh, it, it is. Yeah a phrase now so uh no so it's it's a phrase so we want to pull out of the woodwork just our 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 people's gifts and we want to utilize uh those gifts and so uh, it's going to be a really important year for that I think and um just to kind of let them loose if you will um the first two years have been fairly heavy on leadership doing the large majority of everything and so now it's going to be, I think, a season for the people to begin to step in and say, hey, you know, this is our church, too, and, and we want to see um, it thrive and grow, and, and we want to uh, do what we can to, to, to make that happen. Cool. So is that
0: Yes, yeah, That's awesome. Cool. Thanks, Jed. Appreciate Thank you. it, man. Thank
1: you guys. Love you guys.
0: Yeah. So I wanted, like, I mentioned it already, but I want to kind of reiterate it is uh, Gospel partnerships are really important and I wanted Judd to come and be in front of us and uh, this will happen more frequently. I've been able to, to preach at Christ Church a couple of times and actually he mentioned West Hills. That's where Dave is this morning. He's out there preaching uh, trying to live out this idea of gospel partnerships and that we are in this together. We want to see the city changed and uh, with the gospel and by the gospel and for the gospel. And so we're trying to, to connect the churches. And what I would like for us to do, we're, you know, it's Sunday after Christmas and there's a wedding today. We're down today. But I want, I want to push our people to go and engage. They meet at five o'clock on Sunday nights right down the street from the Galleria. Really simple to get there. Uh, go check them out sometime and, and engage in gospel partnerships, engage in relationships with, with people that are there. And begin to, to see and, and connect with people that are trying to reach this community. For the Gospel, um, so I want to uh, transition just just a bit. Uh, if you have your, your Bible again it 's going to be on the screen as well. Um, Ecclesiastes chapter three verse eleven um, as we 're talking about this idea of of time and, and, and something beginning in two thousand and fifteen and reflection on two thousand and fourteen uh, Ecclesiastes three eleven is is a, a wonderful verse that 's got my mind. Um, reflecting on the what, what what time really is. Ecclesiastes 3.11 Also, he has put eternity into man's heart yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. You read that again. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. What this verse is telling us is that God has put a curiosity in us about this idea of eternity that we're never going to come to grips with. We're never going to fully realize and understand. But since he's put it in us, we have this, this natural bend and curiosity towards eternity. And like, I, I just want to... There's this angst in me to think about time. And we, you and I are, are bound by time. We have yesterday, today, and tomorrow. We can reflect on what happened to us yesterday. We can worry about what's going to happen to us tomorrow. We're, we're bound. Think of, when I say bound, I mean like handcuffed, jailed to time. We're, we're kept, we're constrained by time. And God, as an eternal being, it's separate from that, free from it. So yesterday, today, and tomorrow are, are words that have time inherent within them. They speak of time. God, those, those words are, at some point, and this is God placing eternity in my heart and in my brain and in my soul, and as I think about these things, it begins to, to make me dream about what heaven might be like. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. That verse is eternal in its significance. And it's, it's, it, it brings my heart to worship in its significance. And I want to just, I think that verse in Ecclesiastes, that God has placed eternity in a man's heart, but we can't figure it out. And no eye is seen, no ears heard, nor mind is conceived. What God has prepared for those who love him is a challenge for this bound to time mind to think through the beauty that is God. And I want us, as, as you leave here today and engage your week next week, and As the clock strikes midnight on Wednesday night and 2014 becomes 2015, and you're thinking about reflecting in time and and your New Year's resolution and and what happened last year and what's going to happen this year, and you're thinking about all those things, this is the idea that, that I think God wants to plant into our psyches. And he's not bound by time. And he's a beautiful God that's weaving and orchestrating a story within you. Ravi Zacharias, this is interesting, um, I didn't realize this, but, but Ravi Zacharias is, is a pastor, preacher, thinker, um, uh, an, an Eastern guy with he's an accent, but he's, they play the same sermon on Saturday night that they play on Sunday morning, um, and Sunday morning, the time that I drive here is almost always Ravi's time, so I'm listening to Ravi for the 15 minutes that I'm driving here. But they also play the same sermon on Sunday morning that they played the, previous, like the, Saturday, the night before on Saturday night. So if you guys remember, Saturday night in here, we spent at 5 o'clock, we had our little Christmas dinner. So I got to listen to Robbie say this twice, once Saturday night on the way to Christmas dinner and one Sunday on the way to, to, to church. Part of his sermon, he says this, Time is the brush of God as he paints his masterpiece on the canvas of the human heart. What he's saying is that time is a tool that God is using to create what he wants to create in us. Um, on the back of your, grab your bulletins. Everybody, you guys have your bulletins? On the back of your bulletin, this is a, I, I ask a couple of questions of Travis Wagner. Travis is a guy who used to be a, a, a member here and God called him away, he's, he's, he and his wife, Megan live in Washington D.C. and I asked him a couple of questions about. He's an artist, a great artist, and like this, this really deep thinking artist. And uh, I asked him a question, some questions about, like, the tools that he, like, how does he decide to choose charcoal or or paint or lead? Or Travis also does a lot of work with like just stuff, and and in this. Read it as this week. Read it. Read it now. Forget. Stop talking. Listening to me and, and read this. You have my permission to do that. Like you need my permission, whatever. Um, but the idea is that I, I asked Travis. This, this is what the question that I asked him that precipitated this is: How do you choose the material that you want to use to create the finished product of the art that you want to create? And. You can read there, he, he engages the art with he makes small things, before he makes the big thing, and as, as you read this you 'll begin to understand what, what i 'm talking about, but ultimately, think about this idea like we 're bound to time, but God is not and think about as Ravi has, has told us here that time is a tool that God has chosen, and he 's God he can choose any tool that he wants to create the the, the work of art that is a person, and time is a tool that is used to create that. Let's continue on in this verse, or this quote here. Time is the brush of God as he paints his masterpiece on the canvas of the human heart, and time consists of those moments in which he etches it upon our hearts. Even, like, so many different things here have time-based components. A moment is time-based God is absent of time. He's etching things upon our hearts, using moments. Like, how many wonderful things happened to you this year? How many terrible things happened to you this year? Like, I know a lot of your stories. I'm looking at you thinking about a terrible moment, thinking about a a wonderful moment. I I want us, as we reflect on time as the calendar turns the page to a new year to understand that God is weaving and orchestrating events good, bad, and indifferent as an artist uses a paintbrush to create in us a masterpiece the art of God you tracking with that? I hope so The next sentence There is never a tick of the clock but that something of significance has been painted on your heart Time is a brush in the hand of God And God works within that scaffolding of time that he created and we must understand it He is working in time as a master painting his work on the canvas of the human heart All of this, all of this idea that God is this master painter in, in thinking and reflecting gospel-centered thoughts behind what God is, is doing in our lives. And like, I, I can't, I think this now makes every sermon I've ever preached, I've reflected and thought about Ferguson since it happened. But I, I can't think about 2014 without thinking about August the 9th. I can't. I just can't do it. And I can't drive down. I can't go to my house without seeing little Caesars destroyed. And and reflecting about what happened there. You guys remember uh, last what was it? Oh, last week, last Saturday, a week eight days ago, we did our affordable Christmas with some people from Canfield. One of the things that I got to do on Christmas Eve was deliver a bike to a mom who had nowhere to put her... She got a bike for her son, 10-year-old son. Uh, I have a picture of him with... I'll show you on my phone after holding his bike. Um, but, like, she didn't have room to put it, to hide it, so she wanted me to bring it by on Christmas Eve so that he could wake up to his bike, this, you know, a 10-year-old in a bike. Seriously, what's better? And his, My wife, like, tied a really pretty bow on it and whatever, and so, like, that's what he woke up to Christmas morning. And so I delivered this bike about ten thirty that night, uh, on Christmas Eve night, and I'm driving down back to where her apartment is in, in Canfield and, and I drive right past the the memorial they've got in the middle of the street, and just past that is another memorial around a light post. And like I'm thinking as I'm driving past there, it's Christmas Eve, so you know your your heart is warm and you know, blah blah blah, the you know, poetry, right? And so this is where I am and I'm going to deliver to this woman and I've told the story of her before. She said to me on that day, like, I could have never provided this for my kids. Thank you for providing this for my kids that I could have never provided for myself. And I'm like, Jesus provides for us what we can't provide for ourselves. So this is just an opportunity. The only reason I'm here today with this bike for you is Jesus and, you know, gospel all over that. But as I drive past that memorial, this is, this is what's in my head, is that every single time, every single time, someone who lives there goes out to their day, this is the only way out of that apartment complex, is right past that memorial. And every day, every day, they're reminded of what happened. We have the ability, the opportunity, to maybe forget it for a moment, but every time they leave their house, every time this woman leaves her house, this is her reality. This is what time has etched into her heart. And that that freaks me out. But... The mystery and beauty of the gospel is that time is, is temporary. Time is a shackle on our bodies, on our lives, on our spirits. Our souls are eternal. They'll last forever. And eternity is, is really big. We sang 10,000 reasons. We're going to sing for 10,000 years and then forevermore. And I think of... How great their art. I think of Amazing Grace and the eternal stuff that's in those songs and the beauty of that. And I think about as I drive past Little Caesars and as she drives past the memorial, to Michael Brown, and as we think about the hardship and pain and difficulty, and then I think about what Ravi said. And then I think about what Ecclesiastes says to us. I think about what 1 Corinthians that no eye has seen nor ears heard nor mind has perceived what God has prepared for those who love him. And I think of the evil that's present in our world. And the, the difference of that, the inverse of that is the love that has to be present in our God to, to counteract that, to overcome that, to be victorious over that. It's beautiful and it's the gospel and it's eternal that we will enjoy what we enjoy and see in part now, we will enjoy in full for eternity, not bound by time. And I'm baffled by it. All of this reminds me of, of one verse, uh, one of my favorites, uh, Ephesians 2.10. That It says, you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. And that word workmanship is a Greek word that's the same word for poetry. I want to... Paul has told us that we are God's poetry. We are God's art. And as you read Travis's quotes here, and maybe you are an artist, and you think about pouring yourself into a piece of art, or pouring yourself into a project, understand that this is... God pouring himself into you. You are God's poetry. But to fully understand that, I want to take us through Ephesians 1 and 2 just quickly. Um, here are the, the truths that we see about us in Ephesians chapter 1. Gospel-centered stuff here. Blessed he is, Christ is, Jesus, God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. This is part of the poetry that God is weaving into you is found in Ephesians 1. And it starts with Ephesians 1.3, and it says, you are blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Like that, that's, a, that's a sermon series, the depth of that. But part of the poetry, part of God creating the artwork that is you and is becoming you, and has become you, the past, present, and future, part of that is spiritual blessings that God is blessing you with. Verse 4. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. Part of the artistry that is you, part of the, the poetry that is you, is that you are holy and blameless. Like I... One of, the, one of the most important things for you to know walking through this earth, this world, as a follower of Christ is that you are holy and blameless. Like, I want to pause for a second there and understand. Can you understand? Can you, like, in the middle of life pressing in, holy and blameless. That's a get a dry erase marker and write that on your shower wall. Or set a reminder in your phone that an alarm to go off every day at 3.30. I am holy and blameless. And the beautiful part about the idea that you are holy and blameless is that Paul is writing that, working up to tell you verse 2.10, that you are God's workmanship. Part of his workmanship, part of His artistry, crafting you, is to craft you holy and blameless. He gets to decide whatever he wants to decide. And what he's decided is he's going to create in you Christ. You're holy and blameless. So as you reflect on time, understand that. And again, verse 5, more time-centered words were bound to time. He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, we can argue about Reformed theology, Calvinism, Arminianism, and all those things. And I, I don't know where to go, what to do with those things. But I know what Ephesians one five says: that we are predestined for adoption as sons. Again, God working within the confines of time to create in us a masterpiece. And part of that masterpiece is adopting us as sons. Verse 6, another one of my favorite verses of chapter 1. We are to the praise of his glorious grace. In his quote that is on your bulletin, Travis talks about the voice of the art beginning to speak to him. The voice of the art beginning to speak to him. The voice of us as God's workmanship speaks of the grace of God. You are to the praise of his glorious grace. Part of the reason God has created you and saved you is to, and we read it in Psalm 148, he's given you a horn to proclaim his glory. So as you walk around this planet, engage with life, engage with people, partner in the gospel, everything that you do, you are to the praise of his glorious grace. Even when you screw up, especially when you screw up. You are to the praise of his glorious grace. And that just means you are a billboard for God's grace. And again, it's all working up to Ephesians 2.10. You are to the praise of his glorious grace so that God is creating this masterpiece, this artwork that is in you, that is you. And he's using time to do it. Verse 1 Verse 7, chapter 1 also says, We have redemption and forgiveness of sin because of his grace. You hold it as a possession, redemption and forgiveness, and that's part of the craftsmanship that is God in you. Verse 9, he has a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in heaven and on earth. Again, specifically says the word time in verse 9. God is working and crafting in time. You. Like that, I just, that's just a simple phrase. But it just blows my, my feeble brain and makes me want to think about eternity, makes me want to think about what heaven is going to become, that God is, is crafting us in time. Verse, chapter 2, again, working up to his workmanship. We were dead in our trespasses, but God made us alive in Christ. God reminds us of sin not to bring about shame or pain or regret, but God reminds us of sin to bring us to a renewed spirit and a renewed mind and engaging with his grace. The evil that is present in this world is present in us. And it's only the grace of God that frees us from that evil. That's a paraphrase of Of verse 2 and 3 of chapter 2. The evil that is in this world is present in us. It is only the grace of God that frees us from that evil. And that's, again, the craftsmanship of God. And you think about the evil that's present in this world. And given the wrong set of circumstances, you are capable of awful, awful evil. But the grace of God has met you and entered in and brought about circumstances to bring you to who and where you are now, to proclaim this glorious grace story of who God is. The grace, verses 5 through 9, say this, that grace is a gift of God that has nothing to do with you. And it's, again, the, the idea, look at, think about God working on us as a, as a sculpture and w- crafting us into who, exactly who, and exactly how he wants us to be, using good and bad, using evil, using time to create this masterpiece in us. And all of it is to bring glory and honor to the artist, God. We are his workmanship, his art, his poetry. The art that God is creating in you is rooted in grace and in faith. And God is doing it in you, using time to create this masterpiece of art. Let's pray. And give you a chance to respond. Father, I thank you for putting in us a curiosity about eternity, a curiosity about time, a curiosity about what you're doing. And you have orchestrated events, you have created in us holiness. You've created in us wonder. God, I pray that the mess that we often find ourselves in, that you would allow us to have perspective of eternity. And that we would be able to do as you have called us to, to think eternally, to set our mind on things above and understand that you're crafting in us a brilliant story and a beautiful story of your grace. Gotta pray for each of us in this room, Father, that you would inspire us to wonder, inspire us to worship, as we think about you as the master artist. God, we trust you. We love you. We give our lives and we give our our time to you. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name that I pray. Amen.